Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is John McCormick. And John, it's an unusual thing to see a man cry in public, unless, of course, it's the former Speaker of the House. To see a president cry is pretty powerful, but to see Obama, no drama, crying today uh, as he uh, made his uh, announced the executive action he's going to take regarding guns was, a, I think, a very powerful political moment. Um, it may have been, you know, and I, I think it uh, I think it could very well be sincere. You know, if you look at this uh, from Obama's perspective, he chose not to do anything about gun control. He thinks that his inaction has led to the deaths of many innocent people, including innocent little children. And so, you know, the fact that he had 60 Democratic votes in the Senate and an overwhelming majority in the House, and he held the White House and didn't push a single gun control vote during that period of time where he actually had the power to do something – um, yeah, you know, a lot of people pointed out um, online that I'd, I'd feel guilty, too, if I thought that I had the power to, to save these lives and decided not to for simple politics. You know, I was uh, watching some of the coverage and listening to our friends at NPR and Maura Eliasson said the White House concedes that these efforts will not stop all mass shootings. And I was like, all? No, the White House concedes that these efforts will stop no mass shootings, don't they? I mean, I got I think you have to give the White House credit that they are pretty much admitting that these measures are taking are minuscule in their impact, or am, am I missing some of the spin? Well, I think the White House wants to make them seem big, a bigger deal than they are. You know, the NRA, of all people, were the ones who dismissed this as, uh, you know, the quote from the spokesman today was, really, this is it? This is all you did after seven years? <laughs> um, you know, the NRA was shocked. You know, I mean, the president doesn't have the power to change the law. I mean, the NRA is concerned that this might have some sort of chilling effect on uh, private sales and whether it's a good idea uh, to expand universal background. I don't have a, a very strong opinion either way. Uh, but, you know, the president had the power to actually pass this law uh, when he had Congress back in 20, 2009, 2010. And he chose not to for, you know, just because of politics. Uh, Harry Reid wanted the NRA's endorsement. Uh, Democrats wanted to hold on to Congress. And that's the simple reason why they didn't hold any of these votes back then. And the day, they're sort of you know, having a, a somewhat empty gesture on his way out the door. Uh, maybe to uh, assuage his, his conscience and uh, make him feel better for the fact that he didn't do anything in the first place. Well, so since there's going to be no real result of these minuscule measures, that leaves us to talk about the fun part, which is the politics. I would argue that today's big loser is Hillary Clinton. Would you agree? I think that's right. You know, I think they've, he's basically kicked up a hornet's nest. Um, you know, if you actually poll on the issue of expanding gun, gun background checks, I mean, there's a fair amount of support for it. But the question always is who actually goes out and votes on this issue? Right. And there are a whole lot of gun owners who, who are willing to vote on it. And I'm not sure that you really get, you know, that many of, uh, you know, suburban soccer moms who are going to uh, vote for the Democratic candidate because of this, you know, because of such a small uh, mostly symbolic issue. It doesn't, I mean, it, as you pointed out, the, you know, there wasn't a single instance of all those, uh, you know, mass shootings where the, the gun was purchased this way in a private sale. They were all done, you know, background checks were performed and all these big, uh, you know, shootings. And so the idea that this is going to stop stop at something and save some lives uh, really doesn't seem like it's true. I mean, if they want to do anything, they really have to consider much, you know, bigger measures. You know, I mean, the problem isn't. Uh, you know, young people, the problem here, or the problem is old people, the problem is young people. I mean, maybe he wants to start banning gun sales for people under 30. I'm sure that's unconstitutional, but uh, to, to men, you know, under 30, if he right. wants to really go after uh, these mass shooters. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to take anything out. He doesn't even want to take on the assault weapons ban. They didn't even hold a vote on that in the Senate. And that's my point is there's very little upside for the people who want to restrict gun rights here. They got virtually nothing. But the symbolism, the, the political spark 
that's emitted when the President of the United States announces, I don't care what the laws are, I'm going to make my own laws, that just gins up the people who are focused on voting on gun rights and the Second Amendment. So like I said, bad news for Hillary Clinton because she has to run uh, with uh, an issue that doesn't leave her side energized, but energizes her opposition. So the question I have for you, John, is which of her opponents in the Republican field benefits most from this? You know, who benefits most? I'm not, I'm not quite sure who benefits most. Maybe Ted Cruz, you know, is, uh, is you know, coming out as a tough, uh, you know, leader in Iowa right now. Maybe people that could hurt the most, you know, would obviously be people who have a, a mixed record on gun control, and that would be Donald Trump and Chris Christie. Donald Trump back in 2000 said that, you know, he supports the assault weapons ban, wanted to have longer uh, waiting period before you get a gun. Of course, has completely reinvented himself uh, in 2015 to run the Republican primary. Uh, Chris Christie, too, if you go look at his record back in 1993, he said that opposition to efforts to repeal New Jersey's assault weapons ban are, is the issue that energized him to get into politics. He was asked about this by Chris Wallace and said he, he doesn't really remember saying that, says he's learned on the issue, too. Um, you know, Christie also signed this issue, uh, this, this bill, and uh, 2013 banning people on the terror watch list, the government's terror watch list from owning or, or purchasing guns. Um, and, you know, that's a real issue where it's, it's you know, overwhelmingly popular when you pull it. But among the Republican activist base, they've come to see this as a as really a gross infringement upon due process. Uh, Republicans have an alternative bill, which would sort of protect people's due process, um, you know, people who are on the terror watch list to keep them from getting guns, but the government actually have to show probable cause that they uh, were, were, you know, an actual risk of being a terrorist. Or maybe we could even find out who's on the stinking list to begin with. So we decide Ted exactly, and uh, and the departed Ted Kennedy. Find out who's on the list, and that will be helpful. Uh, I think yeah. that your comment about Ted Cruz is definitely on point because Cruz has uh, been so vocal in the idea that the Constitution, in and of itself, is worthy of defense and. Uh, violating it is a problem. And if you're looking at this field, obviously you assume that most of the Republicans are going to be pretty, you know, pro-Constitution. But Ted Cruz has really talked about it. So has uh, uh, Ben Carson, but I don't think anyone thinks of protecting the Second Amendment and Ben Carson in the same sentence. No, and I think Carson also has some mixed records. You know, I've seen some quotes where he said that you know, we should have a ban on some weapons in the cities, but not in rural America. So sort of uh, taking a mixed, a mixed uh, view on that as well. So let me ask you uh, then how this is viewed in Washington. I mean, I, I just assume that everyone in D.C. saw this as nothing but, uh, you know, a painfully emotional kabuki theater where the president whipped people's emotions up to tremendous heights and then gave them, you know, the equivalent of, uh, you know, nickels worth of, uh, of, uh, of. Sav, you know, just a tiny little effort after this tidal wave of emotion. Uh, and so uh, my question from D.C. is two points. Number one is, does D.C. see this as transparent as it seems to me? And number two is using the calculus inside D.C. for politics. How is this a smart political move for the party in power in the White House? Well, I think the second question indicates the, the answer to the first question. That would be that you know, the, the politics aren't good. The president acknowledged that. He said the reason they don't pass these laws is because they want to win elections. Mm -hmm. And so why is he doing something that's unpopular? And I think the honest answer has to be that he genuinely feels guilty about the fact that he, when he had the power to actually pass a law, they didn't have a single vote. They didn't have a single vote in the House or the Senate. And it took until the Sandy Hook uh, massacre for him to actually try and make, make this an issue. And that failed. You know, the Manchin-Toomey bill failed, which I haven't so, so wait, wait, wait. So, so, so the president honestly thinks 
that some of these measures he's talked about would have prevented any of these mass shootings? Because I don't you... know if he honestly believes that they're going to prevent the mass shootings, but I think he thinks that he needs to at least issue a live and move the mm-hmm. move the ball down the field as much as he can to do whatever he can to do the brave political thing, you know, whatever to to take the you know uh, you know the West Wing you know President uh, Bartlett approach uh, and you know the consequences be damned. <laughs> I need to show that I am willing to to stand for truth right. in the democratic way and what yeah. is right, um, even if it doesn't accomplish much at all. You know, I mean, even their substantive gun measures obviously wouldn't accomplish much at all, mm-hmm. and yet they, they're still, you know, beginning to push for those things on, like, you know, the assault weapons ban, which hasn't even gotten a vote in the Senate. Well, let me, before he cries again, let me ease the president's conscience. There's nothing you could have done, Mr. President, that would have stopped Sandy Hook. Uh, there's nothing to stop a crazy kid from using his parents' gun and committing mass murder. There's nothing you could have done to stop Aurora, a crazy guy using totally legally obtainable guns who went through a background check, committing a crime. So I, I, I hope that nothing else, while he's accomplished nothing as a leader, maybe he can feel a little bit better as a person if we ease his mind. John McCormick, thanks so much for joining us for the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.